0: Gerard, who, as I said, is a graduate of the London Film School in screenwriting. And the obvious first question is, so what's the journey from you finishing the MA in screenwriting to ending up at RSA and having the opportunity to be part of the team that put this together?
1: I joined Scott Free Films as a uh, part of a talent escalated program supported by Screen Australia, which was about supporting producers early in their career to have placements in parts of the world that would be quite useful to them. So Screen Australia assume, and rightly so, that one day we'll go back to Australia and that the Australian film industry will reap the benefit down the track. Um, so that's how I came to Scott Free. And I had heard that they would... When I met Jack that the head of film development there, I had heard that this project was underway. And it seemed like a really mad idea because... Uh, and I think a little bit to Jack as well. that It was a highly risky idea because... YouTube is not known for its quality film um, <laughs> output, so it could have it could have been a disaster. So um, it was really interesting to be involved right from the beginning, negotiating the whole thing with um, Google, who own YouTube, and then uh, seeing the whole thing come together, and then the premiere last night. So,
0: I think one of the fun. things to put Caroline's life into context is that yes, she came here to London Film School. She's obviously from Australia, but in Australia, Caroline wrote and produced a feature film herself and comes from a legal background. And it's, it's one of my key questions. I mean, how, you know, the, <laughs> to, to negotiate that, because I, I mean, we will move on to other issues, but I think that this, one of the, the key things is that the production of a film like this, not just the physical production, but in a world where the whole question of intellectual copyright, that you make something and you give it out there must have been a fascinating
1: negotiating process. It was. Well, uh, there's so many complicating factors, but Google have this... Because they are in a multi-billion-dollar lawsuit with Viacom about copyright infringement, they're an interesting organisation to do something like this with because their whole attitude is uh, we are a platform only we don't have anything to do with the content so when they're getting into bed with a production company you know they need to make it clear that that's still the case so they were very keen to us to do everything a certain way and originally you know it was suggested that um, that we would have to go back to every individual contributor and get an assignment in writing of their copyright in order to make the film which I said was madness and with my legal background was able to sort of push really hard and say look it's a brave new world let's just get a license from everyone and use it in a incorporate it into the terms and conditions and do a kind of click to agree so that if we get if we use your footage we'll license it and who cares if it ends up in another documentary this is the world of YouTube like does it really matter Um, and you know if you were using archive footage you'd be only licensing that anyway so what's What's the big deal? It took Google a while to kind of get their heads around that, but they came to the party, and thank God, because there were times when we did we, we couldn't get in touch with the filmmakers. Obviously, in most cases, we tried to. We had to because we needed the high-res original footage that they'd shot it on because when you upload to YouTube, it, con- it compresses the... Mm-hmm the footage so we had to go back to get the original stuff and at that point obviously you try and do as much documentation as you can but in some cases we just couldn't get in touch with them or some filmmakers got a bit funny and so at least we had in most cases that the terms and conditions the license setup that we'd started with, um, to we could rely on that. But there are just a myriad of issues just even in terms of, you know, one of the big questions in the call out to filmmakers Film your day. There's so many questions that came back on the YouTube channel about can I shoot people in the background, and of course there's no clear answer to that because it varies from territory to territory. So there was no one single answer. In France, you know, if you have someone, um, you know, in a crowd scene, they have to give their permission. But in England, not necessarily. It depends on the circumstances. So um, thank God, actually, the French are not big users of YouTube, so we didn't have a lot of French clips to worry about. Um, but that those are like the you know myriad of, of issues that you have to deal with. It's just... It was mind-boggling. Yes. Actually, it sort of segues into
0: another question I had. I'm, I'm going to leave aside profit participation, let somebody else ask about that one later, but because it segues into another question because what I found fascinating in watching the film is the demographic spread. Um, and it, there's... I mean, as an American, I pick up on quite an American bias. And the other thing that was really odd for me was I was sitting there going, okay, everybody is heterosexual, it would seem. <laughs> and then finally, you know, we had just, you know, that one thing. But I just thought, this is extraordinary. And, and I'm curious whether in... Conceiving the film, I mean, we do live, and again, this is American prejudice, we live in a very politically correct world. <clears throat> I mean, did you, was there ever any sort of looking at, okay, this is the demographic spread of what the material we're receiving? Is that going to in any way influence the film that we cut?
1: Yes. Partly because YouTube is actually, I mean, we all just think it's everywhere, but YouTube is not established in every country. If you're in um, China, obviously you can't, there's no YouTube. Um, And there are other countries where you can go onto the YouTube US site, but but you can't upload in your country so it's we realized because we had the highly confidential statistics of who are the users of YouTube by country in terms of who are the highest users, and I mean obviously it's not much of a giveaway to say america is the mm. is the highest user of youtube um, that you know we knew that, w- that the, the most of the stuff we were going to get back would be probably reflective of um of those you know, of, the, of of the match, it would be mm. a match to YouTube. And I think I think it pretty much was. There was an effort made. We did send out 450 cameras to remote parts of the world mm. through charity partner organisations to try and get a snapshot of, um, you know, the developing world where there are no, you know, there is no YouTube or there's no technology or there are no cameras, you know, among everyday people and they don't, you know, make... They don't do films, and that's actually the Kenyan woman who you saw mm. with the amazing—I think she's from the Maasai Mara—and mm. the little kid with the shoe, the, the shoe dude, polish. The shoe polished. They were from the 450 cameras that we sent mm. out. So only I, only those two. Uh, there might be some more, but those are the two that spring to mind as sig- like significant, you know, parts of the film. Um, so I think there was an understanding, but it's also, well, this is sort of the world... Yeah. This is a YouTube experiment, and this is sort of the reflection the of the world. world. The YouTube world. The YouTube world today, really. And, you know, I know Kevin would like to have done more, but... Yeah. Maybe, what about the know? Korean
0: cyclist, who very much is a character who weaves in and out and unites it for us? Was he somebody who was, was always filming himself on his journey, or was there a, a, filmmaker, who a filmmaker who went to him? a filmmaker
1: who went to him. Yeah, he didn't know anything about it, and I some I'm not sure of the story I actually met the Korean filmmaker at the premiere last night. He was the best dressed man there. He came in white tie and tails, and came with his bicycle to Westfield and had a 40 minute discussion with security to get his bike in. And <laughs> oh the, no. inter, the interviewer said, "So hang on." At the end, to do a bit of the q and A, the interviewer said, "So, hang on, you've you've ridden your bike through 192 countries and you can't get into Westfield. That's just kind of not quite right." Um, but he, he didn't know about it. I, the documentary maker just f- came across him mm. and then, you know, followed him, and that's how that happened.
0: What's the, what was the balance, if you have the statistics, between professional filmmakers and just amateur...? We don't have the statistics,
1: okay. yeah. But I think um, Kevin would say, uh, and Joe, the editor, mm. uh, they were staggered at the quality of some of the submissions that they received, so, like, just extraordinarily beautiful... Um, work. I mean, it turns out, I, during the process of creating the call-out trailer, we had to kind of cobble together a whole bunch of clips anyway to sort of create something of what it might be like. And um, during the course of that, I ended up getting in touch with a, um, an amazing time-lapse photographer in Japan, and who was licensed to Getty. So we licensed his clip anyway, and I said to him, look, just by the by, you should really submit for this film. I'm, I've got nothing to do with the selection process. It's not a guarantee, but I think you really should put some footage in. Because it's beautiful stuff and I know that it will rise, you know, for that reason to the top. And sure enough, I didn't say a word and it is in the film. Well, that's, so it's just extraordinary.
0: Because one of the feelings I had at the beginning was I thought, well, hang on a minute. Surely some of this footage that links things, that is the transition footage, had to have been commissioned. But all of the footage is what people gave
1: and There was nothing it, commissioned at all. There no gaps to fill... They just created this massive database. like there were 23 loggers who saw all the clips on YouTube, and then they ranked them according to a star rating system that had been devised between Joe and Kevin, and they had a five-star rating system when, and you know according to quality and, and interest and what have you. Um, and then they gave lots of keywords so that if later in the edit, Joe mm. wanted "I want someone you know cleaning their teeth or "I want a duck" or a rooster." they could go back and find, um, find the clip that way. Um, and I've just completely lost my train of thought. What were we... <laughs> sorry. No, all, of, all, of,
0: all footage that came from the call-out and archiving it.
1: Yeah. Anyway, there was a, you know, it was a lot of languages spoken and then they were able to you know, go back and look for whatever they needed. And I still can't remember what the point That's of it was, anyway, sorry. I'll
0: open it up to conversations from the floor. You so, so,
1: this snail at the end title, that must have been commissioned. No, we got that as well. Have you shot yeah. By someone? someone shot that. I know, I didn't believe it either when I saw that. I thought, oh, that's quite a cute title. And then I oh. asked the question, being also legally involved in the film, was that in the film? You know, was that submitted? Yes, it was. Uh, the title cards in the forest with the, yep. the guitarist? Yep. I know. decision to make it chronological as opposed to sort of playing and going backwards and forwards in time? Well I've, I have to say they didn't know when they start, Well, when they started what how they were going to construct it and they thought we'll get a whole bunch of stuff and it will hopefully become clear how we're going to put this together. And I think there was a hope amongst certainly on the producing side that what we might get were like five or six characters who sort of had something big going on in their day and they'd submit lots of footage But actually, as it turned out, a lot of clips were quite short. They were just five minutes, and then you'd only get, like, five minutes. And actually, on YouTube, you can only upload max ten minutes anyway. There was one guy who uploaded seven hours, but you could, you know, divide that by ten-minute lots. That's how much you'd have to upload. So we didn't get as much lengthy Mm -hmm. footage for characters to go back to. And so they kind of were just viewing it and working it out. And actually, how it all came together was they didn't realise when we said, let's just do the 24th of July... Um, that there would be a full moon. So they started thinking that might be an interesting way to start the film. But they didn't really know. And then they found Betsy, the girl in the car. And when they found that clip, they said, we've got our ending, this is the Mm. ending. And then that sort of... They sort of had the ending and they had the beginning and then they went, well, this is how we're going to do it. It's going to be a day. And, of, of course, that's how it was conceived in the beginning, but they didn't know that was how they were going to necessarily do it. So it just, you know, follows through a day.
0: Thank you. You've had your hand up for a
1: while.
0: Yes. Oh yes. I wanted to know if you're going to follow the normal uh, window of entertainment to release and then sell. And that's um, a,
1: that's an interesting question. There's there's a sort of a slight deba- a bit of a debate about that because um, obviously this is you know a YouTube film and they in you know rightfully want to put it online right away, and of course we sort of had to fight to say well you will kill the theatrical release if you do that, because even though we all want to believe that it, everyone's enlightened and it can all go out in the same, at the same time, the, the truth is that the distributors wouldn't buy into it or the Yes, yeah, I saw so, so Hanway,
0: you know, has sold it.
1: Yeah, so um, it's, no, it, it won't be quite, quite traditional, but they have held back at least on the online for a while. For a while, yeah. But what they did agree, there was a sort of compromise, they did agree that they would do when when the film premiered at Sundance, they had a limited online release, which was simultaneous around the world. So if you were paying attention you could have seen it when it was at Sundance and it was online and then they shut that down and then yeah. now it's following a bit more of a traditional path. So in American National Geographic are going to they're um theatrically releasing and they're going to um release it actually on the twenty fourth of July, so it's a nice bit of poetry.
0: Great. Yes?
1: Who conceived of the idea and what was the budget that you had to work with in order to give it the packaging that you were looking for? Um, the idea was a kind of... it was a collaborative idea, but basically YouTube wanted to do some kind of film and they came to Liza Marshall, the producer at Scott Free, and she said, that's tremendous, we will be involved in that. and. Um, you know having the Ridley Scott name behind it lend the project a lot of kudos and we got a lot of attention in the trades because it's like wow this is a really interesting idea and you know can you believe it this could be a complete (coughs) disaster. Um, I can't say what the budget was but it was like very low. Sorry. Well, you, you've got to think you've got um, The post production. You've got a lot of post production, and you've got some, you know, relatively like Kevin McDonald is a pretty high profile <laughs> director, and you know, and, and we had, but we had a lot of people doing a lot of stuff for very little money, and a lot of you know volunteer people on it. So,
0: how long was the post production?
1: Well, probably about six under six months, but weirdly amazingly for this kind of project um joe edited it in the in the normal time frame that you would edit mm. a film which for for like an independent film so you think we had over four and a half thousand hours of footage and a regular sort of independent reasonably budgeted film might have 20 hours so that's what they were dealing with so you know it's insane but joe said last night actually in the Q and A, that he thinks that he would have liked more time because they worked really hard and quite long hours on it, but he feels that actually maybe if they had more time, it might not have really mer- resulted in that much of a different film. You know, it might not have been any better. Sometimes that just happens yes. under pressure. Yes. Sorry, a bit of a boring question. Did the filmmakers get paid for this or was it like a, an opportunity for them to like... It was... No, they didn't get paid. Um, it was an opportunity, like a YouTube thing. Yeah. No one's paying to put their stuff up on YouTube. So this yeah. was just a, hey, instead of just randomly putting your stuff up on YouTube, why don't you put your stuff up about this one particular day and you might end up in this film and won't that be cool? They did do a competition so that the 20 like, twenty most significant contributors, they did win a trip to Sundance to the film festival. So it was a competition. So... But they don't get paid, so it'll be interesting now to see. There's already people coming out of the woodwork, going, "Oh, I should be getting this kind of credit, and I should be getting this." And you know, I'm, I'm, they'll, pr- I'm sure there'll be some kind of backlash about. But fortunately, about that.
0: you're no longer as
1: <laughs> kind of free to Fortunately, deal I don't have to deal this. with it. Although, funnily enough, I'm sort of still doing some freelance work for them, so that's the sort of stuff I'm probably <laughs> going to be dealing with.
0: Okay, there's a question
1: back here. Uh, did you uh,
0: receive any inappropriate
1: material? Yes. I, I think less than we were expecting I'm not sure what the percentages were I know Joe Joe jokingly said he was disappointed at the amount of porn that you know, was submitted he just <laughs> thought there'd be more um yeah and there were some um I had to look at some graphic things that you know from a legal point of view to think about whether we should put it in the film or not and uh there were some disgusting things I found out last night that I didn't know about, but, um, like, just people doing some just really disgusting things. But some of the, you know, like, some of the the more disturbing stuff, there was... We did see a decapitated head so from some footage in Afghanistan. We also saw um, in some hospital in some Middle Eastern country someone putting... Oh, no, it was Tunisia, actually. Someone uh, put it, pulling out a wrench like in a wound of someone's body actually pulling out a, some kind of tool, which was pretty gross. So, And there was a dead body being pulled up in Brazil, which caused us some legal angst for a while because there's a whole of issues around privacy about that and could he be identified. And it turns out he was a homeless guy, so we did to do this research about this dead body in Brazil and turning, you know, is this, is this place a crime-ridden place? Does this happen very often? Would it be clear that it was 24th of July? Is this the guy, you know... But in the end, without even us having to say anything, they just decided it didn't fit with the cut. So, lucky for us, we didn't have to deal with it. The love parade thing. Yes. I mean, that was obviously the only thing I picked up that was sort of newsworthy. What was the thought behind including that or not including that? And also the footage that is in it. were actually going to take part in it or some or people that sort of later on went oh okay let me understand my stuff in. um that's a good good question but p- people had two weeks after the 24th of july to submit their stuff there were lots of people who clearly went to love parade and possibly never thought they were going to submit to youtube because we got so much love parade stuff i have to tell you um we put it in because that it seemed ridiculous to you know that's a mm. significant thing that happened on that day that was newsworthy so we We put it in the the concern that we had early on in the cuts. I have to say there was an awful lot of Love Parade footage that we just went. It's maybe a little bit too much of this, and Mm. it does skew that there are other things and other bad things going on in the world other than the fact these 20 people were crushed to death. But it's it's a bit of a weird political sensitive kind of question. But it did happen, and it's a reflection of the stuff that we got. We had to be you know it's tricky because you've got to be careful about what you show and. you know, we we scoured that footage and we spoke to... Because um, Germany's also one of the countries in Europe that's very um, very sensitive about privacy. So we had to scour that footage really carefully and scrutinise that and think about, can we show these people, do we have to blur some faces here? Because that's they're actually one of the countries in the world that are objecting to um, the Google cameras, you know, the Google street street, street cam. They're kind of raising issues in the courts in Germany to try and stop that. So... You know, hopefully it's okay, but, you know, time will tell.
0: Were there national and religious holidays, for example, the fireworks and those gorgeous...
1: The lanterns. The lanterns, the paper
0: lanterns. Um, I
1: don't don't know anything specific, Mm. but it was a Saturday and there was a conversation about whether it should be a Saturday or a working day in most parts of the world because would it be more interesting or more representative of what people did with most of their time? But I think in the end we just stuck with that day because... It, you know, we thought we might actually get more interesting stuff.
0: Question. I just wonder about the process. Um, has Kevin and Joe actually saw all the four thousand five hundred hours, or was there like an initial uh, interns looking like at an initial batch to discard some?
1: Yeah. <coughs> they. This is where the twenty three loggers came in. So these multilingual. So there were some London Film School grads um, involved. Um, they came in and rated the clips. So basically I think pretty much Kevin and Joe only saw the four and the five star clips. You can imagine there was an enormous amount of rubbish. And when we first started looking at it, um, I, it was, you know, some of us, I had to, I looked through like the first 300 clips randomly that came in just to see what sort of stuff we were getting. So many cats and dogs. It was unbelievable. It could be whole two feature films of, you think, here's your opportunity. The whole thing was set up as quite a slightly pretentious, grandiose idea. Here's a time capsule of, you know, the world in a day. What do you want to say? What's going on in your world? Here's my cat. Having a bowl of water for five minutes, and that's what I'm submitting. Like, it was just unbelievable. <laughs> I think
0: we won't go to, the, <laughs> to, we be to be- the spiritual significance of that. Yeah. Other questions? Yes. I think if other people who haven't asked questions. The back here. I will come back to you, but I just wanted other people. Yes. Oh.
1: Um. The look bit. What was the concept in terms of the look? Um, it was random. They had no idea what they were going to get. So th- we knew that what we were trying to do when we set when we set a call out, we did try and encourage people to shoot, you know, 1080, and we had some minimum specs. We said, look, we just would rather you didn't shoot on your mobile phone, but apart from that, we'll take anything and we'll just risk it. So there was no, there was absolutely no design, it was just we'll see what we, can, what we can get and we'll encourage people and we'll say that the likelihood of your stuff being included in the film is going to be higher if the quality of your footage is shot on the best possible camera that you have. The tricky thing about it from an editing point of view, and I don't know the, the technical you know, nightmare fully, mm-hmm. but is that so much was shot on different frame rates so that to- that turned out to be a total nightmare to work through because um, from all over the world, just crazy. Because some of it was shot, like the fireworks, but clearly shot on professional format, the one with the distance. But I think what I meant was the bumping up the colour throughout pretty much all the clips kind the of colour really boosted. So the colour grading, what was the thinking about that? I can't... I, 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 I wish I could say, but I wasn't involved in that. It but looks... I mean, it's interesting because it's, it's very, very bright. I mean very, very I what they were Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what about the brightness. I know that they were definitely trying to make it uniform. That's, you know, and try and smooth out the uh, But the
0: film yeah. is going to be shown on, the film in its entirety is shown online. Yeah. So that's probably I mean, I think that it to do with it. You're showing it online. So make it, yeah. Yes, because so it's the it, same it's grade the for the whole film. Online, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I Back can't Back to answer. these two here, Your first you Just stop me if somebody asks this question who, who chose the date? Was there any significance behind that or was it
1: random? Um, a little bit random It was about when we were ready to make it happen and also uh, it was just after the World Cup so it was important that it wasn't going to be during the World Cup uh, and then it was just a nice 24 um, 7, 24 hours uh. Very good. Good question. I just wanted to ask because of the like branding of YouTube. I think that as dogs and cats, comedy, people doing funny music thing, people being celebrities, that kind of thing. And what were YouTube trying to really change their brand a little bit? Well, not change their brand, but it was this was about subverting expectations. This was YouTube is this? This is what it's become let's see if we can do something to completely change that up and show that YouTube could be something else and something different. So it was quite ambitious. Let's just do this as an experiment. And they're doing some cool things like this. The project that had preceded this was a thing called the YouTube Symphony Orchestra. And they Mm. had, I don't know if you're familiar, they composed a piece of music and they said, here's a piece of music. Why don't you grab your instrument? You play the bit of music upload it to YouTube and then we're going to get this whole online thing of everyone playing their instruments and we're going to get the best contributors all to do a concert in Carnegie Hall. So it was a like a little version of this and of course they were limited by you know the people that could participate had to obviously be able to play musical instruments and read music. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the guide like we thought, sort of thinking, oh, that had about 8,000, like, submissions, so maybe this might get, like, 10,000 submissions. We got over 80,000 submissions. So that's... They're really into doing cool things. They've got heaps of money, and, you know, they are interested in doing cool things. And the next, you know, they're doing some cool potential collaborations with kids and space and all sorts of things coming up, so...
0: But actually, this does go back to the profit participation issue. I mean... All right, f- cameras. Four hundred and fifty cameras were sent out. I mean, is is there any, you know, will all the money that is made from the distribution of the film go back, as it usually does, in you know a film contract, back into the pockets of the people who, you know, m- made it happen through their overheads, the costs, and all of that?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think there might be there will probably be some discussion about profit, um, but this is actually more of an expensive film to make than you would think no even, I know it's a very yeah, expensive
0: because of the, you know the whole post production I mean that whole process
1: just massive yeah and the technology you know the technology involved to kind of implement it so i don't I don't know exactly what's going to happen i I'm not sure that it'll make a profit so um you know i, I there won't be any you know, the fi- there won't be any money going back to the fi- I mean, We just couldn't administer that. Yeah. It would be Im- Im- impossible. I'd like to think that there are some designs down the track if there's if this thing goes crazy and does really well, that there'll be some, you know, payment back into the pockets of, you know, some of the charity partner organisations mm. that worked with them in the developing world. And I mean, at the moment, you can buy tickets online. I've set up my little life in a day, me or whatever. And, you um, people who buy tickets through my website at View Cinemas will there'll be a donation going to Amnesty. So there, mm. you know, there's a consciousness about it, but it's also sort of difficult to yeah. work through. Great.
0: There are two fundamental aspects in part kind of life that felt to me strikingly absent from the film. I'm curious about this first being sex and also death, was that because death of censorship of the material or is it the choice to exclude that from the film?
1: Um, no, the answer to that is, uh, it's a, it's a good point that the, the film is by and large a reflection of what people chose to upload. So we didn't, we would absolutely, Kevin, you know, there was discussions at the beginning. There was going to be no shying away from any difficult material. Um, and in fact, some, quite a few people have complained about the slaughtering of the, I was going to say there's the death. <laughs> yeah. There is and death. I think there is, there is death in there. Hmm. Um, but I, I know what you mean that you know there's not you know there's not sex in there but there's a whole lot of the effects of sex. There are. <laughs> there's a whole lot of It's <laughs> birth. Um, so I get that you know, this is just a reflection of what people chose. It wasn't deliberately excluded. The consequences of sex, I yeah. should say.
0: And there was a question here. Yeah,
1: um I was amused by the soundtrack and um, I'd like to know what sort of instructions there were any working Matthew Herbert. Um, Matthew Herbert had quite a free range what was quite cool is if you were involved in the project he did a separate little call out which wasn't as publicized but if you found it on the website um, and you were a fan of Matthew Herbert's Mm. then you could participate so we were asked I think he asked people to hum a note clap uh, and there were a couple of other things he asked people to do and record that and then upload that to or your favorite sound upload that and he weaved that into Mm. Uh, the music, so that that's like incredibly cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he does. That's what he's famous for. And then Harry Gregson Williams, but he's not a he's not a film composer. So then Har- Harry Gregson Williams, I think, worked with Ridley on other things. Big, you know, Hollywood scores kind of also came in and contributed mm. some ideas. So that's why you've got a Hollywood vibe to it in some parts. Yeah. And then you've got the song, which which Matthew Herbert um, wrote and Ellie Goulding sung. You also have some some features of uh, people just um, you know uh, recording their own songs. I remember them, those uh, three ladies, the uh, Rice Beaters, TV. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was that. really <clears throat> it was it, it was extraordinary. We had to music was such a nightmare for Google because music, as you know, for those is it, just a nightmare legally and performance. It was just something we actually actively said we do do not do not record any music. But of course, some people did, and most of that then. Just the second that we heard a published track, it was it was discarded. We just couldn't deal with it. Um, but there were some times, obviously, there's some um, folk, you know, some native mm-hmm. music, and that's when you can look into that and go, all right, we'll make an exception for this because we can legally manage it. Um, but but it was part
0: of the rhythm of their it's day. part of the rhythm of their day, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's what they do in the so way was, that we converse when we do something.
1: So it was wonderful that we could manage some of those legal issues that came up around music. Um, and it's such a, you know, Joe and Joe is quite musical himself. He's also a composer, mm-hmm. so he's very. It's the music has been, a, you know, he's the first person to admit, huge part of this film. It, you know, really underpins some of the narrative. It would not be, mm-hmm. it would not be as cohesive mm-hmm. and as powerful without it. So huge part of the film.
0: Great. Well, thank you all for coming, and thank you, Carolyn.